Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mini Games Podcast. I am your host, Keith. We're back with another side quest episode. And to nobody's request, I know none of you guys wanted it, but here I am, finally earning my keep and doing this one solo. As you know, the side quests are going to basically be our versions of bite-sized episodes. Sometimes there'll be reviews, sometimes there'll be news, and just a little bit more in-depth thoughts on, I guess, whatever topic it's going to be on. I know Mike used used his episode. He made a really great review off of the Resident Evil 3 remake. If you haven't checked out that episode, go just pause this one. Just come right back. Uh, we also did my intro to Dungeons and Dragons on the last episode of the main show. But other than that, I still haven't played anything new that wasn't Animal Crossing. Uh, because of that, I'm just going to use this as my chance to do more of a retrospective look at different games that have either made an impact on myself or just gaming in general. That might change in the future. I was kind of working towards being financially able to kind of have the luxury of getting more games and being more updated than I have been. But due to the big council, the Rona, there's a lot of financial uncertainty and I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate. Uh, I hope nothing for the best, everyone that's affected, which is pretty much everybody. But it looks like the stars are gonna align. I'm still gonna be able to do everything I wanted to do. So maybe we'll just keep these side quests as our bite-sized review episodes maybe kind of start like a separate retrospective series um just kind of thinking out loud different things uh for now we'll just run with this keep side quest being whatever it may be as you can tell by the title of this episode i'll be covering the metroid franchise now metroid to me has been one of those franchises that just kind of just sticks with you it just hits you on that deeper level my introduction to it was through the original super smash brothers game and I just remember when I was young, finding out that Samus was a girl just blew my mind for the better. I view her as more of a trailblazer for women's protagonists, when to this day there's still more room for more female role models in the video game world. It's a highly influential franchise, it had a huge part in creating the Metroidvania subgenre that's popular in indie gaming to this day, and it set the stage for a lot of speedrunning. Um, just a lot of people were trying to see things like, how fast can you beat the game? The franchise it's also known for its sequence breaking you know since it doesn't hold your hand it allows you to play parts of the game out of order and you can search for hidden rewards that aren't there at first glance now i say parts of the game out of order because it doesn't completely let go of the leash it's not a full open world game where you just say here you go instead what it does is it leaves you loose enough to where you can kind of see that you don't have the abilities to go to the next area or if you get in there, you definitely it's a way above your skill level or difficulty, whatever you want to call it. And it rewards you for backtracking. So once you do have those abilities, you can carry forward. I kind of see this more as like a template for, like I said, a lot of indie gaming and even some bigger titles such as like Jedi Fallen Order. Now there's also the completionist method. If you don't want to go speedrunning, you can also get into every single nook and cranny of the game and really find every hidden gem that it has to offer. And what's cool is that making games like these, it gives each game a large amount of replayability. Whether you're trying to beat your record time or do the opposite of that and be a completionist or do a kind of a mix and do like a limited collecting run. There's just so many different ways to play these games. But when it comes to talking about this series, I'm going to be doing it a little bit differently though. I'll be doing what I think is the best way to experience the mainline Metroid series in 2020. So each of these episodes is going to be dedicated to what I think is the definitive way to experience the four main entries to Samus' story. 
So basically, like I said, I'm sticking to the mainline series. No, this is not going to be including like Metroid Prime or other M or anything like that. Those will come eventually. So long story short, four games, four episodes. And that's mostly going to take place to the first two games since those are the ones with the remakes and alternate titles and things like that. The last two don't really have that, so that's kind of already easy. But I'm going to try to cater this to first-time players of this series. So I'll try to keep this as spoiler-free as I can and really only mention what's absolutely necessary for reviewing purposes. But I think there's probably going to be something here for existing fans of the franchise as well, too. You could think of it as like the abridged marathon to cover all of the ground without going through every single game and remake and so on and so forth. And in the end, I guess I'll go over how I'd rank them all, just my personal opinion. Now, I do get that this is mostly going to be opinion-based, so your list might be different from mine. Just feel free to reach out on all our social media channels and let us know what you think are the best ways to really experience Metroid. But let's not waste more time. Let's get this thing going. So first up is, well, Metroid. Zero mission. So I'm going to start with a hot take. It's going to piss Mike off for sure. Uh, Zero Mission is the best Metroid game. Now, I know that's a bold claim, but I stand by it. And I know I said I'll wait till the end to rank them, but I couldn't help it with this one. It's my favorite one out of all of them. I love this game. Um, But before I get ahead of myself, let me talk a little bit about, I guess, the story, kind of what sets the pace for the whole series. Um, Basically, Zero Mission, it's the 2004 Game Boy Advance remake of the original Metroid game. Uh, to set you know the stage, it's the whole franchise appropriately named after the main species, which are Metroids. Metroids are a species that basically they just suck the life out of any life form they latch onto, and space pirates start breeding and using them as biological weapons. And you can't be having that. So this is where the badass bounty hunter Samus comes in. Now this game is basically the first story chronologically, and it documents Samus's return to our home planet of Zebus to put an end to this, to seek out and destroy Mother Brain. The original Metroid was on the NES, which, as mind-blowing and as, as ambitious of a game it was, it's definitely a product of its time and you can tell playing it now. For all the things the original did well, Zero Mission just kind of built on and made it better. And it does that almost immediately with how it introduces you to Samus and her adventure. Now, most of the other games in the series have text dialogues to set the scene and tell you what's going on. This game does it differently with some cool, like kind of almost comic book panel style cutscenes. Now, I'm one that kind of prefers show me, don't tell me. I'm not really reading a book. I'm playing a game to go through the experience of it. So I appreciate this. And in fact, other than the intro and then the conclusion, there's really no other story text at all. Now, as far as the gameplay... The biggest blessing is actually just kind of hidden right there in plain sight. And that's just a simple addition of diagonal shooting. It's just, it's such a standard thing these days that if you go back and if you play the original Metroid, it's almost jarring to get used to playing without it. The next blessing is really just the ability to crouch. Yep, you heard me, crouching. The original Metroid, it had its first enemies that were just short enough to where if you shoot, it goes right over them. And it's just, it's frustrating. There's also other things such as the wall jump and other unlockable upgrades that weren't in the original game. But later on, they became staples of the franchise. And those are here now and they're a welcome addition. And a huge reason why I say this is the best Metroid game is comes down to simply just how fluid and badass it feels to control Samus. 
I'm not as partial to that floaty feeling Samus has in the other games. Um, the floaty feeling was definitely there in the original Metroid, and I just didn't like it. I prefer how quick and snappy Samus feels, especially in this one. But, however, I guess, yeah, there's, there's a flip side to everything. Samus has been upgraded, she's been modernized, but most of those enemies have not. This might be one area where I think the game might have been too faithful to the original. The difficulty setting does kind of make up for this, but even then, it doesn't take too much to master enemy patterns. If the enemy is still just below her, you can just aim diagonally and shoot them. So, I guess blessing and a curse, pick your poison, double-edged sword, whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> but there's one exception to this enemy complaint, though. And that is, you know, the stars of the series, the Metroids themselves. Ironically, for the game called Metroid, you're not actually coming across them towards the end of the game. And it's cool because you get that slow burn buildup to it because once they do come into play, holy crap, they're terrifying. When this is your first encounter with them and you don't know what to do, they're so punishing because they're completely invulnerable to most of your attacks. Now, in the remake, they also pop out of the background almost out of nowhere and ruthlessly chase you down. You really get a couple moments to react to them. That's the kind of difficulty I wish was kind of more apparent for the rest of the game's enemies. And another welcome feature is really the addition of Chozo statues that can help guide you in the general direction of where you need to go next. Now, what I like about these is that they don't completely tell you exactly where it is. And in fact, if you haven't explored that part of the map or if you haven't gotten to any of the map rooms that'll, that show that stuff for you, then you won't even see where it's telling you to go. It'll still leave it up to you to figure out the way for you to get there. Now, you don't sacrifice you know, the fun of exploration and getting lost and really overcoming that challenge for the assistance gives. It kind of balances it a little bit. And in fact, you know, speaking of those map rooms, you can completely ignore those if you like a bit more of a challenge. The original one, the original Metroid didn't have a map at all. So if you want to go into it that way, you still can. They made it optional. And also, you know, not making them mandatory, it does kind of make it good for speedruns. It's something you can skip over, cut your time down. And then lastly, there's the addition of save points. Again, it's the most little, most common thing. The original game, even though it was brand new, I feel like it was kind of already antiquated at that time. Basically, instead of instead of save files, every time you played it, it would give you this weird long password to pick up where you left off. I just, I, I don't get it. Games were already using save files at that time. Why would they? Why wouldn't they just do that? That's why it just feels like it was already antiquated. And I guess, yeah, sure, that's where the password entry was. So you could put in like cheat codes and still, it just doesn't feel antiquated. It just doesn't feel good. But thankfully, you know, since Zero Mission was a mobile game, it has a pretty good amount of save points. And I'm assuming being mobile, they figure most players are going to be playing in short bursts, taking it along with them, like during car rides or whatever it may be, rather than committing to like a comfortable spot on the couch just for hours on end. But either way, just being able to save the game is another reason why I prefer this over the original game. All of these, they kind of just seem such as no-brainers, so it kind of feels weird praising them. But, I mean, it just goes to show how much things they got right. Now, the environment of this game and the vibe of it all, it kind of does deserve some praise as well, too. The original Metroid, it set the template for making all the games in the franchise really feel bleak. Now, like I said, it's a sign of its time, but here's where they use it to its advantage. At a time when many of the games on the NES were using like those bright and vibrant neon fluorescent colors, this did the opposite. It went dark and it really made it that lonely world. Now, Zero Mission kind of follows through that in a different way, which 
I'll get to that shortly. But it also improves on the level design of the original game. That deserves some praise too. The original, it had the right idea, but there were just so many hidden secrets that were just straight up impossible to find without like, say like a subscription to Nintendo Power Magazine or now with the internet without looking up a guide. There were just parts where you couldn't tell what anything was there unless you looked it up. In Zero Mission, I love the subtle ways that it kind of hints that there's a like a secret there. Say what well, once was just a wall that looked normal. Now you'll see a small crack or just things that look the tiniest out of place. Or sometimes, yeah, you even just accidentally stumble on something, but it's always satisfying to find more missiles or health upgrades. There's a lot of good things to say about how it forces the progression too. Yeah, I mean, there's sequence breaking, but once you get on a path that kind of leads you towards an unlockable ability, it often, it doesn't let you backtrack until you get that unlockable. So that's awesome because it's the game letting you know you're on something and you're going on the right path towards something. Now, once you get that ability, it immediately gives you like, say, an environmental or an enemy obstacle to overcome using what you just earned. It's the game teaching you exactly how to use that weapon or ability in a way that doesn't use a tutorial or doesn't halt your experience for a guide or anything like that. It, it treats you with, with respect and not like you're stupid, basically. It never leaves you stumped or anything like that, but it also just doesn't completely spell it out for you. It's the perfect balance, I think, between the two. Now, not to jump too much ahead, too far, but later on in the series in Super Metroid, you'll be returning back to the planet Zevis. And since this is a remake, even though it's chronologically first, it was released after Super Metroid. So what they did is they made the choice to make this planet resemble the Zebus we got in that game, but with a few tweaks. It's more lively and more vibrancy with how the natural landscapes look. Areas that actually have, you know, background patterns now. With the original game, it had a lot of repeated wall patterns and just plain black background and it was just way too easy to get lost, especially with no map. Now with the addition of those background designs, it's easy to tell a recognizable location and actually see you know, the progression you're making in the game. And again, just things that are such standard no-brainers that it still feels weird giving it praise, but Zero Mission just corrected those mistakes of the time. And it's the perfect way to you know, capture that lonely feeling set in the original game, but bring it to a more modern setting. You know, But since it is more vibrant, it does feel a little bit less of a desolate planet so instead, they traded that with the foreboding visuals of things such as like where Federation troopers died when they're failing to do the mission that Samus is on now, or such as like the leftover cocoon of a foe that's just massive that you're about to face in like the near future. Every step of the way, this game perfectly sets the stage for what's to come. Since it's a remake, it's also familiar with like you know, the later installments of Super Metroid. So we had a more lively version of what's into that world since it comes before that chronologically, but I'll get to that in more detail when I get to Super Metroid. But now let's just talk about the bosses for a little bit. Each boss is memorable. It takes advantage of whatever newfound ability you just got. And since the original only had two bosses, they added in a small handful of mini bosses that definitely flesh out the world and each area that you're in a bit more. It's especially neat how they just kind of spring up and out of nowhere, leaving a big first impression. And really, your only hint to them is kind of that subtle foreshadowing that I mentioned, but you never know when they're going to pop up. And remember those cool little cutscenes that I mentioned earlier? Those make a return for the game's original two bosses. And oh god, they're, they're freaking cool. They give you that feeling of shit just got real. But however, all the bosses, they're not the most difficult challenges, if we're being honest. Uh, really, the only way they can be challenging is if you end up like sequence breaking certain parts of the game. 
then yeah, there's there's definitely opportunity to get in way over your head and struggle against a boss because you might not have everything you need to help you yet. But I think that's pretty actually fucking awesome because you can either A, potentially struggle and have that huge sense of satisfaction when you finally conquer that massive challenge or B, take some time, backtrack, venture around the world a little bit and acquire whatever upgrades you might need. And then you'll probably feel equally satisfied at the end of it, having steamrolled to that boss that probably just gave you a hard time a little bit before. But like I said, they're pretty easy. Those cases are kind of rare. Uh, since the game encourages exploration and finding upgrades so much, there's a good chance that on your first playthrough, you're going to be well-equipped anyway. Um, but it's a shame, you know, those cool cutscenes aren't really met with a boss fight worthy of them. But again, on the flip side, that does encourage replaying the game in different ways, such as, you know, collecting limited upgrades or maybe even doing the speed run of the game. Doing that also kind of rewards you with different end game visuals too. So it kind of, I guess, plays into the replayability a little bit too. There's one exception to the easy boss fight though, and that's Mother Brain. Holy shit, that's a hard and chaotic, challenging fight. The original Metroid was actually just like fucked up. <laughs> So thankfully, they kind of nerfed it a little bit for Zero Mission. So now it's only borderline fucked up. Uh, to me, I, I kind of see it as a perfect challenge for the original game's final boss. Um, now, I'm going to say original game's final boss because once you finally beat it and you go through you know, all the franchise, it has a signature escape sequences. Uh, after you do that, you're rewarded with a whole ass new part of the game. Where the original game ends, it has a whole new sequence of boss fight that straight up just it didn't exist before this. And this is where the game really earns its name of Zero Mission by showcasing off the famous Zero Suit. Like, what? <laughs> where did this come from? It blew my mind the first playthrough. Samus loses her suit and then she needs to use stealth to get around all the space pirates. And it's a whole new playstyle that wasn't really there before, especially in the 2D version of the franchise. It's just a whole new twist that just adds a more variety to its playstyles, but it doesn't overstep its welcome. And it just feels like a and it doesn't really feel like a complete departure for the franchise either. And without your suit, you're completely vulnerable. You're, if you're not careful, you're going to get torn apart. And actually, your blaster, it really just paralyzes and stuns for a second or two, just enough to get past. It doesn't really do much. But once you get past that, you're rewarded tenfold. You get your suit back and all your upgrades, and including some new ones too. And oh, Samus is OP, and she's here to fuck shit up. It's so satisfying just coming back and tearing through all the areas and enemies that were just so challenging just moments before. And so much so that you literally see all the enemies scared and hiding from you in nooks and crannies. And if you're power hungry, that's your time to get your fix. On the flip side though, this leads me back to really one of my only real gripes of the game. You know, it has a new final boss. It's a super cool reveal. I definitely don't want to spoil that for first time players because my reaction to that was just I was kind of blown away at the time because, like I said, the whole area is new. So everything about it just kind of added on to that kind of mind-blown feeling. But I just kind of hate that that awesome new reveal just kind of ends up being like the other bosses in the game. I just wish it wasn't so easy. I kind of, like, I just got the thrill of being overpowered with all the space pirates. I got my fix of that. And I feel like the game's final boss should be more challenging. That one last bit that you got to power through, just hit the peak of the mountain. And Mother Brain gave me that. So I kind of just feel like, why couldn't this one? But even with that said, it's obviously, it's not a game-breaking gripe. Uh, once you beat the game, you're rid of the cool, small cutscene that reveals 
a bit about Samus's childhood. And like I said, if you do different ways to play through the game, you do get a different graphic at the end uh, based on whether you do 100% collection rate, um, a 15% collection rate, speed run, different, there's different things, different words for different playthroughs basically. Um, but yeah, there you have it, you know, just to sum things up. I love this game. I definitely think Zero Mission is the definitive way to experience Samus' first story. With its upgraded graphics and its gameplay, I just feel like it, it makes it a no-brainer. And the way it builds on what's familiar and blends it in with what's new is really what makes it my favorite Metroid game. Now, that's not to say other ones are bad. Definitely, Super Metroid is often regarded as people's favorites and it holds up very well today. I just see this as kind of more an awesome blend of what made Super Metroid good with what made Metroid Fusion good, which is kind of a little bit of a polarizing title. Um, so that might be a bit of a controversial statement, but we'll get there. I'll go over all of it in the end. But, and if all of what I said isn't good enough and you kind of just want to compare it for yourself, you, you actually do unlock the original Metroid game when you beat Zero Mission. And I think that's pretty neat. It's great, for, especially for first time players of the franchise. I do think it's good, you know, go back and experience, you know, what started it all. Like I said, the original started basically a whole subgenre along with Castlevania of a new game. So, yeah, it's history. Why not learn about it? And it lets you just try out both versions for yourself and, you know, let us know here at the podcast, you know, what you think about it. But, yeah, uh, like I said, a quick little episode for you. Thank you for checking this one out. Like I said, this is the first in a series of four uh, both Mike and I, you know, we're really glad to be able to be more consistent with the podcast. Uh, we've got some cool ideas, like I said in the beginning of this, and I'm finally going to be able to follow through with my end of all those cool ideas. Um, first thing was really kind of going over the Metro series, something near and dear to me, and I know there's a lot of fans out there that are begging for more. Hopefully we're going to get more. I know they're doing Metroid Prime and had to restart all development on that game, but it's back with Metro Studios, so... I have faith on that one. I'm, I'm glad they're not just picking up and they're, they scrapped the whole thing and starting over. Um, it just makes for a more consistent game, I feel. Um, but regardless, we got a lot to talk about and a lot of time right now with this whole quarantine going on. Crazy times. Um, but we'll be back with another episode soon with you on the main episode. We're, we're just we're super excited to get the ball going with all of this. So stay tuned for updates on all of these things on our social media. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Minigamescast. And we're on Facebook too. Just search in The Minigames Podcast. And of course, you can always listen to us on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course, you know, really anywhere else you get your podcast from. Thanks again to Anchor for sponsoring this episode. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram myself at woo underscore Keith. And that woo is W-H-O-O. Fuck you, Chris. And we will see you next time. Thanks.